Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support the show. Get bonus episodes and add free episodes. Um... And I will be in Houston, Texas on Sunday morning speaking at Houston Oasis. Uh, You can Google that if you want more information. (laughs) I think it's 1030 a.m. on uh, Sunday. And how are you? I'm doing okay. I have a very busy but fun week. (laughs) Uh, Work is very stressful. And today I'm making chili and soup and cookies. Congrats. Halloween party it is. Halloween party. And then tonight I am driving into the city and staying at a hotel in Wicker Park with my girlfriends. And we're going to go shopping tomorrow. Excellent. It's going to be lovely. Do you want to start with a new survey that the headline freaked me out? And then I actually read the data, and I'm like, okay, it's not that bad. Was it a clickbaity? No, it wasn't. Or just like a misinterpreted? No, absolutely straightforward from the Pew Research Center. This is out today, Thursday. Um, Basically, they asked Americans, what do you think about Christian nation, Christian nationalism, but specifically the idea that we live in a Christian nation. And the big, just to give you some background before getting into the number, Uh like what does that actually mean that we live in a Christian nation or that we should or anything like that? Just to give you one version of that, Christian nationalism is basically thought of as a, this is according to sociologists Andrew Whitehead and Samuel Perry, Mm -hmm. uh, it's a fusion of conservative Christianity Uh and civic life. Like, it's not exactly a theocracy, but it's the country that we would live in if conservative Christians had their way about pretty much everything. Um, it suggests we were founded as a Christian country, we're which not. we were not. And when I say Christian country, I totally mean conservative Christian country. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we should be they definitely <laughs> had those concepts yeah. back then. <laughs> uh, there were like twenty-seven different types of deism. Uh, yeah, yeah, Christianity, <laughs> varying degrees. Um, yeah. Anyway, and they—if you're a Christian nationalist, you believe we should be guided by conservative Christian principles. Mm-hmm. None of this has to do with Jesus. It's more about saying we're right-wing people. We want to push our beliefs on the country with regards to LGBTQ rights, gender roles, abortion access, who counts as an American. Yeah, I think it's a homogenization (laughs) of the country, don't you think? Of like, we want everything to be the same and this, like, less diverse and more like us. I am doing the, I'm doing it right and everybody should be doing it like me. They also want control of public institutions like schools and definitely government. And it used to be that people like us use the phrase Christian nationalist to trash yeah. the people who are Christian nationalists. Yeah, they reclaimed that, but I yeah, guess. <laughs> some of those people are now trying to reclaim it. Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, has even said, I am a Christian and I say it proudly. We should be Christian nationalists. Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, has urged Republicans to wear the full armor of God as they try to defeat Democrats. Whatever you think it means, and none of it is good. 
Um, the full but armor of God. It, it's so dramatic. It's a biblical reference that totally makes sense in the bubble. Uh-huh. And outside of it, it's like, well, that sounds creepy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if Muslims said it, DeSantis I mean, would be first in line. It's to... the same thing as Project Blitz. Like, you guys have to have <laughs> some self-awareness when you pick words. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the other side, people like us, the atheists, the, the more progressive side, they've been trying to warn members of Congress that, hey, you need to be aware that mm-hmm. this is a problem. Um, earlier this year, we had activists and scholars meet with members of the Congressional Free Thought Caucus to issue a report linking up mm-hmm. Christian nationalism with the attack on the U.S. Capitol. Those things were intertwined. Uh, yeah. Um, so with, uh, yeah. <laughs> with all that in mind, the question that the Pew Research Center was trying to figure out is what do Americans feel about the phrase Christian nation? And here's one of the things they asked. Do you think the founders of America originally intended for the U.S. to be a Christian nation, in quote hands? Um, And I should say, they did not define Christian nation or Christian nationalism. They just put it out there. Do you think the founders of America originally intended for the U.S. to be a Christian nation? What percentage said yes is the question for you. Did the founders intend for us to be a Christian nation? I'm going to say 40%. Higher. No, it isn't. 60% of Americans said yes. Okay, next question. Do you think the U.S. should be a Christian nation? What percent said yes? 60 again? Lower this time. 40 this time? 45 45%, nearly half of Americans said, yeah, we should, whatever we were founded as, we should be one now. Cool. That's the scary headline here. 45% of Americans believe we should be a Christian nation. Yeah, that's not great. And by the way, what percent said the U.S. is currently a Christian nation? 30%? Yeah, 33. Yeah? Yeah, so it's a little lower there. They don't think we're there. They want to get there. And even more people think we were founded that way. Now, I would like to circle back to you saying that you saw the headline and were scared. Yeah, and the, then headline the headline being 45% believe but we should But then feel okay Christian. about it. And I would like to hear the good news <laughs> now because that is yeah. all bad. So the good news here is that most Americans have no clue what we are talking about. I see. That's the silver lining here, that no one pays any attention to news. Everyone's in... It's a problem just, of communication, right? It's part of it. Just, uh, so here's why? the interesting thing. Okay, half of Americans want to live in a Christian nation. Sounds bad. So what does that actually mean in practice? So here's another question. Uh, okay, should Supreme Court justices, Amy Coney Barrett, bring their own religious views mm-hmm. into how they decide cases? Should they base decisions based on their personal religious views? Mm-hmm. Only 15 percent of Americans said yes. Everyone else is like, that's a horrible idea. Okay. Um, should churches endorse political candidates? Is there any chance yeah. that they accidentally turned the Scantron sheet upside <laughs> down and they're just filling out random bubbles? Because this is bananas. Like, they want to live in a Christian nation, but it's like, okay, so you think the Supreme Court should be guided by Christian no, principles? No, no, no. no, no you're confused said. again. We don't want that. <laughs> we we don't just want, want a Christian nation. Right. Do you think churches should endorse political candidates? Only 20% of Americans said yes. (laughs) Most people are like, absolutely not. I am telling you this right (laughs) fucking now. Go check your work. Another uh, question. Should churches uh, keep out of politics? Which... 
Should experts keep out Sh- of politics? Sorry, po- churches. Oh, churches. Should churches, sorry, houses I- of worship, should they keep out of politics? 67% said yes. Get out. Don't talk about, like, political issues. Talk about Jesus, whatever. Wait, so 67% of people think that... Get out. Get out of politics. But how many people said <laughs> it should be a Christian nation? 45 So, right. So here's the silver lining, which is they're like, I want to live in a Christian nation because, and I'm saying this, not the research center, because they hear the word Christian, they think, oh, good place, good values. That's the world I want to live in. If Christianity is synonymous with goodness, which I think it is for most Americans, then the idea that we should live in a Christian nation to them is like, oh yeah, I want to live in a place where we're honest and, and helping each other. And yeah. butterflies and, and they everybody's are, happy and holding hands. And I know people like us, probably listeners of the podcast, are like, oh, a Christian nation, that means no one's getting abortion I access. I mentioned AR-15s <laughs> right. on every street corner. Yes. No abortion access. Bible in one hand, AR-15 uh-huh. in the other. I Those are the teachers. I am getting fitted for my red robe soon, which I'm really excited because <laughs> I've lost some weight, so I think I'm going to really going to You get the really red robe and the red mega hat. Uh, <laughs> it's the costume <laughs> yeah that so, never clicked with me that's funny and here's where it gets even weirder so they looked at the 45 percent of americans who said we should live in a christian nation uh-huh. and then they're like we have additional questions for yes. you people just a quick follow-up <laughs> do you think this is just the 45 percent who want to live in a christian nation mm-hmm. or think that we should do you think the federal government should declare itself a christian nation of that group 28% said yes. 52%, most of that group, is like, no, what are you talking about? What is going on? Yeah. What, no, genuinely, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> what are these people doing and so, thinking and saying and why? Similar question. 45% of you who say we should live in a Christian nation, how many of you think we should forget about church-state separation, get rid of it altogether? That's- Only 31% of them said yes. Most... 39% said, no, church day separation want, is great. We want a Christian nation with a strong wall of separation between church and state. That's yeah. what we're looking for yeah. in a country. What do you have for me? I mean, so what this is saying is, okay. Are all- they looking for England? They're looking for <laughs> England. There's a national church, but nobody gives a shit. What? They're technically Christian or whatever. It's but so weird. Not- they want the exact opposite of that, which is they don't want an official church. They just want to live under the idea that there is a national church and there's like an in-group, but they don't want to give power to like the priests, the pastors. What if, okay, hear me out. What if we rebrand subsidies, like government subsidies as like, uh, like power ups or something like that. (laughs) And maybe we can like, sort of gently push them into the idea that like a Christian nation would be one where everybody has free access to medical care and a Christian nation would be one where people don't shoot each other very much. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. No. uh, And I'm going to get to one more part of this survey, which is if no one knows what it means, they get to decide what Christian nation means. And again, if you just think wrongly, that Christian nation means a place that is puppies and unicorns right. and all that. Of course, that Which sounds like hate, a good idea. You I like neither dogs nor sound, horses and rainbows. I hate too. <laughs> um, it sounds great to them, mm-hmm. but we're all talking about something very different and very specific. Um, by the way, here's what the Pew Research Center's researchers actually said about what your reaction is. Yeah. 
They said, while some people who say the U.S. should be a Christian nation define the concept as one where a nation's laws are based on Christian tenets and the nation's leaders are Christian, it is much more common for people in this category to see a Christian nation as one where people are more broadly guided by Christian values or a belief in God, even if its laws are not explicitly Christian and its leaders can have a variety of faiths or no faith at all. Others are simply envisioning a place where people treat each other well and have good morals. So if that's the case... We, we call that liberalism, <laughs> is the morals and the treating people the way you'd want to be treated. That's what, we, that's what we're doing. The irony is that the Christian nationalists we're talking about mm-hmm. would see these people and say, none of you are Christian. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they, they literally asked an open-ended question like, what is your definition of Christian nation? One respondent, anonymous here, but one respondent said, uh, white Christian ethnostate, which accurate and blunt. I like it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> because again, white in Christian my, ethnostate. Yeah. yeah nice. In my mind, when I think of Christian nationalism, Christian nation, we are thinking bigots, racists, anti-feminists, people who are intolerant, the people you don't invite to Thanksgiving dinner if you can get away with it. Yeah. And other people are like, oh yeah, Jesus sounds great. I love Christ- my Christian mm-hmm. neighbors. It's like, that's fine. Right. That has nothing to do with the question. Mm-hmm. So here's here's another silver lining to these results. Simply put, how much have you heard about or read about Christian nationalism? Like, do you have any idea what we're talking about? They asked people. 54% of Americans said, nope, never heard of it. Never heard the concept at all. 54% never heard about Christian nationalism. Say that number again. 54%. Five, four. Never heard of it. More than half of people have never heard of Christian nationalism. Never heard of it. Never read about it. I want to move to wherever they live. (laughs) 14% of Americans said maybe a little. 17% said uh, some. I've heard something about it. Only 5% of people, and they're like all listening to this podcast, said, yeah, I've heard about it all the time, whether I like it or not. And 9% said quite a bit. That's 14% of Americans who are like... Aware. Steeped in it yeah. and aware of it, whether they like it or not. 14% only. Most people never heard of it. And by the way, of the 45% of Americans who um, have a favorite, who want to live in a Christian nation, or, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, let me back up. Of the 45% of Americans who have heard at least something about us living in a Christian nation, whether you like it or not, um, 5% said that's, I like Christian nationalism. Thumbs up from me. Thumbs up from me. 24% said bad idea, horrible. Most of the rest of them are just like, Meh, Meh. I don't have an opinion, which is almost more weird. It's like, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. I have no preference. It's a country what of hell? meh. It yeah. is the United States of America. So this, so this is where... That was really funny, and I really want everybody to take a beat. Um, you know, if you like drove off the road accidentally from laughing so hard, just please be careful. Stay safe out there. <laughs> so the good news here, more than half of Americans have never heard the term at all, mm-hmm. which is good. Can that is a chance for us. America? Um, no, because I've already made the card. I never get to make the title. You got to get to me two days earlier. <laughs> um, most people have not heard the term, which is a chance for us this to is blowing set, my mind. which is a chance for people like us to frame it mm. for everyone else. Again, this is an educational opportunity to explain to people what Christian nationalism is, mm-hmm. why it's bad for the country, what we all stand to lose if Christian nationalists acquire even more power than they already have. Right. And let's keep in mind, 
this is not anti-Christian. This is not even an atheist argument. No. Christians can make this argument. Christians can agree with this argument because Christian nationalism is also bad for people who are not conservative yes. Christians. I asked uh, Andrew Seidel, who uh, I interviewed last month on this podcast, and he just wrote a book called American Crusade, How the Supreme Court is Weaponizing Religious Freedom, mm. which is basically Sounds about- like a strong <laughs> bummer. Could you do a beat trade next year, please? It's, uh, it covers the consequences. Mm. of Christian nationalism. And I'm like, what do you think about these results? And he basically pushed to say the, the wall of separation between church and state is an American original. It is an American invention. We should be hmm. proud of and defend that contribution to human rights. And we should challenge those who would undermine it with myths, lies, and disinformation about America wow. being founded as a Christian nation. Again, he, he's also getting back to this idea that we can educate people on this subject mm-hmm. and show them why, even if you are Christian, right. this is not what you want. So fascinating Ugh. survey. Again, the, the bottom line, the big headline everywhere is 45% of Americans say we should be a Christian nation. That's... But when you break it down and say, well, what does that look like to you? Answers are all over the yeah, place. they just don't know. They, they don't know, but also they're going to vote. They don't know, and they're not intellectually <laughs> curious enough to figure out what that would mean. They just hear, like, the name of the thing, and they're like, oh, perfect. That solves all of our problems. They don't know, and they're going to vote, and that's... <laughs> Welcome to America. America. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I, let me give one actually surprising bit of uh, good news, strangely. This is one where... Gotta give credit where it's due... We know right now we're living in a country where there's like full-throated attacks on public schools Mm -hmm. by conservatives who treat them like they're these, I don't know, godless hotbeds of liberal insanity. They say uh, kids are using litter boxes in the classroom because they think they're cats. Um, that's oh, I saw that not one. accurate in any way. Yeah. They think teachers, they are, that's what we T- they think the teachers are encouraging students to be LGBTQ, which is not how that works. What do they think that looks like? Do you think? I don't know. They just make up what classrooms look like because they have no clue. Well, they've never seen the inside of one. Right. They don't talk to the teachers at their schools. Yeah. They just think they're bad places. Mm-hmm. They think sex education promotes risky behavior. Oh, they, yeah. They've been doing that one since the 70s. Mm-hmm. They think critical race theory is being taught. It is not. They I think wish. common core math is evil because they don't understand math. They I think, love the outrage against common core math. It's so oh. funny to me. It was frustrating when I was a math teacher. It is also frustrating when I'm not a math teacher. They think unpatriotic history is being taught, where, like, the problem is history isn't being taught. I think those are the the issues I I kind of see, is this sort of um, watering down of history that they want to do. Yeah. Which, obviously, this isn't by accident or new. But for some reason, that's always the thing that really scares me, is like, oh, well, if no kids ever hear about, like, Actual slave conditions, like we can, if we, you know, the if we teach kids about slavery, white kids will feel bad about themselves. That's not what the goal is. Sorry if our history disappoints you. You still have to understand. The phrase is: "Those who don't understand history are doomed to repeat it and or promote it." In the case of look around, but. (laughs) I don't know. Things aren't going especially well, and I'm feeling a little bit 1930s Germany vibes. But like, 
you know. Conservatives also claim pandemic-related mask mandates and school closures, which were there to save lives. Sure. Not just of kids, yeah. but of the adults who would have suffered. They think all of that was like anti-kids or oh, something. This is when we learned that conservatives do not believe that like people who work are real people. Right, right. right? Like it's, it, that's what they think. Like I, I heard a story of somebody went into a Starbucks and the pre- pre- the employees at Starbucks were like, you need to put your mask on. They're like, well, there's nobody here. And the people behind the um, counter were like, me, I'm, <laughs> I'm a, a, a human I'm a being. human, yes. I'm a human being in my own right, <laughs> and I don't want to die and of course, for the, your caramel macchiato. <laughs> the same people want to censor books because they don't want to challenge kids. Mm-hmm. They think the books that you read in school are like, I don't know, just sexual drag queen memoirs. And not like... Ooh, what book is that? Uh, all of them, apparently. <laughs> and anyway, uh, and all of that's happening. So Christianity Today, which is a, obviously, conserve... It's a news outlet and that also has opinion pieces. I have criticisms of their opinion pieces mm-hmm. and their fundamental beliefs. But they also do good news coverage. Yeah. And, and one of their essays that they recently published was by a woman named Erica Anderson, who is also a conservative Christian, Um, But here's the thing that surprised me about the article. The headline, public schools aren't godless. (laughs) Basically saying all those rumors you hear in conservative Christian circles Uh about what these schools look like. The headline, public schools aren't godless. Ask the Christians who feel called to stay. She spoke with teachers who are Christians in public schools. She spoke with Christian parents who send their kids to public schools. And it's like, well, if all these rumors that fly in our air, like our circles are true, you should be freaking out right now because they're so anti-Christian. And the teachers are like, no, no one asked me to shut up about my faith or that they're asking me to do anything against my faith. What? Yeah, you the mean parents. It's all made up? I know the parents that she spoke to are like, no, I, I like my public school. They're great. This is a <laughs> quote from a third grade teacher, Brittany Braun. I have not experienced what I think my church and maybe some of the church members are angry and upset about, said Brittany Braun, a third grade teacher who <laughs> has taught in public schools for 14 years. I don't feel like I've been asked to quiet my faith or push an agenda that I don't believe in. Yeah, I know. You mean if you ask the people who are affected, they'll tell you whether or not they're affected? (laughs) Golly, can you you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine? Um, The article goes on to quote someone saying, disenchantment with public education appears to have much more to do with, wait for it, political ideology than religion. Oh, you mean teachers don't like being screamed at by (laughs) parents because they have been baited into thinking that their teacher's the literal devil? That's not why they got into early childhood education? It's so strange. The article spoke... These teachers, I'm telling you. (laughs) The uh, article spoke with one Christian mother who had homeschooled her kids during the pandemic. Uh, They were probably going to send... The woman, Jenny, and her husband both attended private Christian schools. They were going to send their kids to private Christian schools. They couldn't because the pandemic shut down schools, period. But after the pandemic and after things, I mean, big normal quote hands, when things got back to normal, 
she sent her kids to public schools. Hmm, and she said, the, this is from the article, the experience made her realize how isolated we had been living inside a very small, insulated Christian bubble. Whoa. She said, after a year of homeschooling, we decided to send all six of our kids to the local... Six. six to the local public school. And I am so happy to be able to truly say that they are all thriving. Oh, Which, yeah, yay. of course they would. Why wouldn't they be thriving? Um, So... Just to say, like, I I appreciate that you're asking Christians, like, so all these things are pretty bad for yeah, you, especially, yeah. right? And they're all like, no, no, like it. Everything's good. All <laughs> solid. Like, of course, there's no anti-religious bias. We've been saying that. Of course, Christian teachers are not being asked to promote yeah. atheism or teach kids sex positions or deny <laughs> their faith. We've been telling you that this whole time, right. that the rumors of Christian persecution in public schools is something that only exists in the mind of like religious zealots. Mm -hmm. Students can pray without being disruptive. They can read the Bible on their Mm -hmm. own time. They can form Christian clubs Mm -hmm. that meet before or after school. Literally no one has ever tried to stop them. Teachers can sponsor those clubs. They can pray privately whenever they want to. The problem is never that Christians don't have the same rights everyone else has. It's that certain Christians always want overreach. They Mm -hmm. want to control what everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why does that myth persist because it's really easy to convince a lot of Christians that they're being persecuted. It's part of a larger conservative agenda. And by spreading those rumors, conservatives want to destroy public schools by defunding them, by demonizing them. They don't want teachers to go into those professions. Um, Republicans have passed laws to steal dollars from public schools and use them for private religious schools. Mm -hmm. The Supreme Court has said that's okay in certain cases. I mean, all of they've acted like COVID shutdowns were totally unnecessary. They've, like you said, waged a war against teachers. Mm -hmm. Like, if you want to homeschool your kids and you're doing it well, fine. I don't really care. But they're not solutions for all families. And for conservative Christians to go to church where they are told anything else except that, your options are homeschooling or private school, Mm -hmm. Christian schools. Like, disingenuous, unfair, Mm -hmm. Um, and also a lot of those places, they have no regulation, they have no oversight, they're pushing for less oversight when that even exists. Mm -hmm. Public schools have plenty plenty of problems, some of them are systemic, but the solution has never been, let's not fund them, let's micromanage them. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, credit where it's due, like, I don't say it often, Christianity Today published that piece uh, what saying, have the responses been like? You know what? They don't have comments on the post because it's a news article. But I have not seen like backlash against it because yeah, what curious. are they going to be angry about? You quoted a Christian mother who's wrong when no, she says she's gonna happy. they're going to say, oh, you found the three people uh, who agree with your point and interviewed them and ignored all of the you know, stuff that doesn't agree with your narrative. I mean, these are, this is the people who, who constantly accuse us of being victims while are constantly trying to play the victim themselves. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Like I haven't seen the pushback. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I haven't (laughs) seen it certainly in not uh, large numbers just yet. When was it published? This was just like last week. Oh, okay. So it's It's been, it's been a few days. So it's not like it just came out today. Oh, interesting. Well, that's kind of, Good, I guess. Could that be there worse. haven't hasn't been really bad blowback that's, that's a, made it to us anyway. Right, right, right. Um, this is silly, but I'm amused by it. I want to play you a clip. This Ooh. is from uh Robin Bullock, who is a self-described Christian prophet. Ooh. Uh, which is something anyone can just magically say about themselves. Me too. I'm also 
also a Christian prophet. Congratulations, I want to just play you this short clip because here's what he wants to say. Okay. He wants to say money is not some enemy uh, because if we're emulating Jesus, Jesus is someone who had money. So this is about one minute long. Sit. Let okay. me play this clip for you, then we'll talk about it. Now you can see it play out on the cross. When they took his raiment, he had three garments. Only the rich wore three. What? Oh. It got quiet. It always gets quiet because everybody thinks Jesus rode, just rode around on a donkey eating off the ground. Well. He had five houses. Excuse me. Oh, I don't know if I believe that. I don't even care. He had five houses. Why else do you think Joseph could get up in the middle of the night, hire a whole caravan, and go to Egypt? What? He had the moolah to do it. I'll stop there. So just to recap. Okay, wait. He's talking <laughs> Jesus was exclusively wearing... about before he was born, though. He's talking about they owned five houses. That's why no, no, no. Joseph he said, was rich. He said Jesus owned five houses. And then after he imitates his critics, like, oh, I don't know if I believe that. I don't care. Because I can just say whatever lie I want. Jesus had five houses, Wh- he Where says. is his evidence? Um, like, genuinely, is there evidence of that in the Bible? Of course there isn't. Really? Of course There's not. no way to interpret something that says, like, <laughs> five roofs are mine. Like, something that doesn't make sense that you can pull something out like of. Like, if you're giving birth in a manger and Jesus is wearing sandals all day long, I'm doubting that he's rolling in a money pit. Also, wait. I thought the whole thing was that Joseph and Mary had to, like, trek to Bethlehem by themselves. That was the whole narrative. Not that he... Hi- what was it? Hired a gang or something? <laughs> hired the caravan to... Hired a caravan yeah. to... Pr- I don't think that's how the story is told. So here's the interesting thing, because now I went down a rabbit hole. Obviously. Obviously. Like, there are arguments to be made that Jesus wasn't broke, and the people who argue that basically say, if you had a donkey which the family supposedly did, then you were probably well off. Okay. Uh, If you're a baby who gets people giving you gold, frankincense, and myrrh, you're probably among... But it's because he's the Christ child. Mm -hmm. They're saying, well... He's given that. You would have only been given that if you came from, like, an upper-class family, and that Jesus wore these types of clothes that were mentioned in that clip that had to be expensive. Excuse me, is he saying Jesus is richy rich? What... Yeah. Is going on. But to go from that to say, okay, there are arguments that they weren't broke because they had some of the trappings of the elite at the time is a far cry from very specifically saying, no, he had five houses. I need to know where he pulled that number from. Nothing has ever been more important. Not four. Oh, you thought he had four mansions? No, 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 no. Can I tell you what I thought was going to happen? Because as you know, as our listeners know, the majority of what I know about Jesus Christ is from the musical Jesus Christ Superstar, (laughs) which covers the last few days of Jesus' life. I've seen it many times. Toward the beginning, there's this scene between um, Simon, not Simon, um, Judas and Jesus that uh, Judas is saying, here you find ointments brand new and expensive could have been saved for the poor. Like he accuses Jesus of spending money on these like ointments for himself instead of giving that to the poor. I thought that is what he was going to pull of like, hey, he treated himself like that's where I thought we were going. And the fact that Jesus had five houses just echoed into my ears is upsetting. (laughs) 
<laughs> like the idea that Jesus wasn't broke is very different from saying he was ridiculously wealthy. That's yeah, a I, leap that I'm not used to hearing. Like usually, if anything, they will say if Jesus was rich, the Bible shows him using his status, maybe his wealth, to benefit others. Like there's a whole line, Jesus is saying it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, None of that suggests Jesus was like a trust fund baby. And the weird thing is usually if you hear Christians talking about money in the sense that God wants you to be rich, we're talking like a Joel Osteen Mm -hmm. prosperity gospel type that Mm -hmm. says, if you give money to God Mm -hmm. via me, yeah then you will be rewarded much, much more than that. Sure. Sow the seed, plant your seed. Ten It'll, times the something. I yeah, think. God wants you to be financially successful. But the weird thing is... Tenfold. Robin Bullock, the guy you just heard, mm-hmm. and other self-described prophets like Kat Kerr, who says, no, 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 we have mansions in heaven. She said that last week. Like, those people are claiming that Jesus himself is wealthy. materialism, I am (laughs) telling you. They're saying Jesus is wealthy, therefore his followers deserve to be wealthy, and how do you get wealthy? Give to me. Yeah, yeah, I have no problem That's a very big leap from even the, no, 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 God wants you to be happy. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying God or Jesus were wealthy, but God wants you to be wealthy, and you can do it through the following scam. That's not even what these guys are getting. Oh boy, this is. They're taking it in a totally different direction. I don't. It, you can't call it prosperity gospel because no. it's not about you. They're just saying. Is it just? Is this guy like a <laughs> mega pastor? Is he one of those Robin like Bullock? who has like a private plane and shit like that? Is this him just justifying why he thinks you know, he should wear twenty thousand dollars sneakers or whatever? He he does wear. I don't know, leather jackets and whatnot. And Whoa, he, he's got to pay for his like health uh, hair treatments and whatnot. But he doesn't have a massive... His hair treatments? Oh, oh just Google pictures of Robin Bullock. Um, it, it's long. Oh, There's stuff done. That is not what I expected but him to look like. The point being, like, he's not even necessarily preaching to a mega church, but he does have a large YouTube audience. He has oh, a large online audience. So, like... This is the case for a lot of these preachers who say insane things. It's not necessarily that they're preaching to a giant crowd. It's that they know their real reach sure, is whoever they digital. can reach online. Yeah. So congrats, <sighs> Jesus, uh, on your houses, I guess. I mean, <laughs> how can how can people buy this? Well, Listen, I have no problem. Not no problem. I, it's one thing to be like I'm into... Jesus and church and all this stuff and I feel like I learned moral lessons but I cannot imagine the amount of like mental gymnastics you would have to do to sit in a pew and listen to your preacher tell you how fucking rich Jesus was and you're like yeah yeah my soul is fulfilled from this <laughs> can't get health care but thanks what good for you is Jesus going on <laughs> don't know why I couldn't have hidden in one of the houses truly uh, since we're talking about Christian nationalism and whatnot, this seems appropriate. Earlier this month... He was that rich. He probably mm-hmm. could have just like paid whatever Judas was getting paid to turn him in. 30 shekels or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 30 pieces of gold. Should have gone higher. I'll give you 60, buddy. Right, And right. then take Jesus... Judas. Is... Take, take Judas. Yeah, yeah, take him. Yeah. Double cross him. He should have learned his lesson. Listen, I would read the Bible Jesus much was more just if a... there was more double crossing. What you're getting at is Jesus was just a bad businessman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And failed capitalist like he the rest of us. He was truly the Elon of his day. I've always said that. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> um, since we're talking about Christian nationalism, yeah. earlier this month in Tennessee, the Sumner County Commissioners voted. This should have been a very boring story that they voted to codify a new set of rules and procedures for how they run their meetings. Oh, totally normal thing for like a, a county council to do. But the weird thing is they decided to include a preamble to their rules for like how to hold committee meetings, a preamble, like they're writing the goddamn constitution or something. And the preamble, uh, one part of it, check this out. In order to perfect the operation of our county government to ensure that it is just, orderly, efficient, cost-effective, and most importantly, Mm -hmm. reflective of the Judeo-Christian values inherent in our nation's founding. Most importantly. Most importantly. Sure. Yeah, dot, 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 let's do some good shit. Like, that's what their preamble says. And so when they presented this... Why can't they help themselves? (laughs) Why can't they just let one thing not be explicitly theirs. Why can't one thing be for everybody? They already said, like, we're trying to make our county government better, but then they just throw in there. But most importantly, we want to make sure, you know, Christians. Um, (laughs) It's not just something they aspire to. It's the most important thing they Mm. want to do in the county government. And, like, what are those Judeo-Christian values? They don't say. Why would they say? Because to... Because, Again, as we explained earlier, no one... their values are owning five houses. <laughs> so as they're discussing this at their meeting, which I watched because it was bananas of course you did. online, their law director, their basic, their county attorney is like, you guys, I don't think you should be doing this. He said, this is uh, Ben Allen, who is the interim law director. Oh, He's like, we could be setting ourselves up for lawsuits. He said, I just believe that this would be a violation of the First Amendment Establishment Clause. The Supreme Court could change their mind on what violation of the Establishment Clause means tomorrow. It's very expensive to be the ones to find out if that's the case. Wow. <laughs> Who's this guy? I <laughs> this love their, him. This is their attorney. He was fine. He's just saying, like, this is... It's not worth it. You don't need to do this. Le- You're choosing to do this. Legally, and if you pass this... This is called fucking around and finding out. <laughs> yeah. He literally said... Uh, actually, a different attorney that a local newspaper contacted said, this is clearly a violation of the First Amendment's ban against endorsing religion, and it would be a slam dunk case in court. I disagree with the slam dunk I mean, with this court, who with this judiciary, who knows? But one of the commissioners, the one of the good ones, pointed out... I think we need to be very careful we don't cross over to something that ends up taking more of our tax citizens' yes. dollars over the next coming years in litigation. Yes. Um, the law director also said the phrasing could also be used. I'm going to paraphrase here. He said, what if someone gets fired from the city uh, county and government? They're and they're yeah, And they're not Christian and they're saying, I got fired because for religious discrimination, because I didn't live up to that. Even if that's not the case, they could make that complaint in court. A hypothetical person could say that, pointing Mm -hmm. to the wording as evidence that the county discriminated against her. Oh, boy. And yet all of this stuff, uh, the vote was like 20 to 4. They voted to keep it. To keep it? To keep it. They passed their rules. Their rules now say it's Judeo-Christian. Um, most the, importantly, most it's importantly. Judeo-Christian. I can, for some reason, the gall of the most importantly <laughs> modifier is killing me. And the weird thing is they're saying all this on a recorded meeting. They're having this discussion in public. One of the commissioners, Tim Jones, said, well, as a Christian, I cannot operate from a position of fear. 
I serve God first, this county second. And then he yelled at everybody in the room saying, you're not standing up for what every one of you know is right, that claim to be Christians. Like saying, all of you, you say you're Christians, then you should get on board with this. Another commissioner said, well, we live in a Christian majority community, basically saying there's no need Might to makes pay- right. I think <laughs> yeah. somebody cool said that. There's no need to pay attention or pay any lip service to Muslims, Hindus, or anybody else. Like... They're saying that at the meeting that is being recorded. I should say the Freedom... They have been emboldened. The Freedom From Religion Foundation has already sent a warning letter uh, basically saying the concept of Judeo-Christian values uh, didn't even exist until the mid-20th century, let alone the time the U.S. was founded. By adopting a preamble officially promoting Judeo-Christian values, the board violates the Establishment Clause, dot, 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 disregards the wall of separation between church and state, and disrespects the diversity of Sumner County citizens. We request that the board immediately correct this violation, remove it, whatever. Mm -hmm. So here's the question now. FFRF warned them. Tell me again where this is. This is Sumner County, Tennessee. Where in Tennessee, Tennessee. is it? I don't remember, and I don't want to pretend like I do. Tennessee but is red. FFRF warned them. The county passed this preamble anyway. Um, do you know how it came to FFRF's attention? Did somebody? Oh, oh I'm sure someone local. Low? Okay. Uh, someone local must have heard this is what their county is doing. They came to it. The question now is, will they file a lawsuit over it? Because now it's a calculation of, do we think? I mean, even if we're <laughs> legally right, does mm-hmm. that mean a judge is going to see it as legally right? I don't know yet. I don't know if they're going to file a lawsuit. A lot of people online really want there to be a lawsuit over this. I would this. really like there to be a lawsuit. But you got to play it strategically sometimes and make sure that you're not going into any case unless it really is a slam dunk in your eyes. So wow. we'll see how that plays out. That is intense. Yeah. Um, actually, while we're this, while we're in Tennessee, let's just do this. Uh, hate preacher Greg Locke. Oh, boy. Um his he does the circus tent church while mm-hmm. he's preaching uh, MAGA Jesus all that Your stuff. Close personal friend, my Pastor close Greg personal friend. <laughs> weird symbiotic relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing: his services. Uh, he already said he's holding a book burning that we talked about already. He's mm-hmm. holding a book burning on Halloween. He's apparently Very spooky, Mister Locke. So loud during his circus tent services that everyone who runs the local county government is getting complaints about it. So at a recent meeting of the... Like local noise complaints? Yeah. So in Wilson County, Tennessee, they recently had their like monthly meeting and no one mentioned Locke's Church by name. Okay. But like the chief deputy in the Wilson County Sheriff's Office, his name is Mike Owen. He gave a report to the mm-hmm. county, like, here's what's going on yeah. security-wise, all that. And fine. is his tent on county grounds, like county yeah, fairgrounds, I in, assume? Well, no, it's just private property, but it's on oh. it's in the county. Um so, oh, okay. but the problem is this Mike Owen, the chief deputy, brought up the fact that in September alone, his office received 41 noise complaints, which is, he said, that in itself, not weird. People complain about noise all the time. Yeah. Fine. He said 22 of those noise complaints involved a church down in the west end of the county, by which wink, everyone wink, knew wink, wink, wink. he meant Greg Locke's church. Um, this is right I outside of Nashville, I should say. this is the key to our sound problems is Greg Locke. <laughs> so, um, like, 
these they all started discussing what could be done because the truth is it doesn't matter if your church is on private property Mm. if you're disturbing the community now you're affecting everybody and the county could take action every teen who's thrown a party knows this to be true (laughs) right and so the commissioners who spoke up wondered can we do anything about this without being accused of anti-christian discrimination and their solution was yeah there is something you could do You could adopt a noise ordinance that says at specific times of the week, Mm. like when people are, for example, at 3 a.m., you can't be this loud. Wait, he's not going till 3 a.m. No, he's he's not. But you could adopt a noise ordinance in the community that says at these times you can't be certain Mm -hmm. levels of loudness. And you could put a cap on how loud anyone in the county could be. That doesn't talk about him specifically. It affects everybody, Uh but it applies to him too. So it's a secular solution Mm -hmm. for what's clearly a private religious problem. Owen was like, I don't know about the legality of that. I'm not the guy to ask about that. Mm -hmm. But then he very clearly said to the commission, I guarantee the sheriff's department, if we are asked to, (gasps) we will enforce any law or any ordinances by this commission. Even the (laughs) cops hate Greg Locke. Everyone does. Who does he have left? Uh, Everyone in his friggin' circus tent Uh. and um, everyone who watches him online. He's just like the other hate preachers. It's not about the circus tent. It's Mm -hmm. about the people he can find on YouTube and Facebook where he has massive reach. One of the commissioners even pointed out during their meeting, uh, he can hear the church even though he lives, and I'm quoting here, five miles away from it. No. It will rattle your windows of your car if you're anywhere near this thing, he said. No. How fucking loud? Is it music that they're just blasting? It's it's music. It's this guy getting into the microphone and then like wailing at the top of his lungs about, I don't know, name your liberal politician. Sure. Um, And then like, okay, I was watching the local news report about this meeting talking about a possible noise ordinance in the county. And even the news is like we're not naming any church because they didn't name a church and we basically implying we don't want to get Did sued. they say that like we're not say we're not saying names but or was it just this is a local noise ordinance we're not touching anything with a 10 foot pole they basically alluded to the fact that it's because of a church oh. but the name of the church wasn't mentioned by them so we're not mentioning it either and then guess who chimes in and face on facebook is underneath the local news when they posted about a noise ordinance is it pastor gregory it is pastor greg Locke who says well we'll name the church Screaming for you into his computer yeah there, there's a lot of caps <laughs> in this uh because it's our church it's global vision bible church and what they are not saying is that in all caps is that they can hear us because we meet in a giant tent i think that's supposed to be a good thing i'm not sure wait yeah, yes, correct. Like it does, you just identified what happened. <laughs> right. You identified he, the problem. He said, and we, he said, we have a deputy that takes noise readings multiple times a month. And even if there was a sound ordinance, which there isn't, we're way below it. No, which is a not. totally normal thing to say. Like, yeah, we have, we have a dude who measures decibel levels for us. No, you don't. Golly. Um, like, I used to go to, like, punk rock shows. <laughs> and so the fact that, like, I can stand outside Reggie's and this, like in Chinatown and not hear a band inside (laughs) and this dude can hear them from five five miles miles away. It's significantly louder than a strung out show. Congratulations. (laughs) You did it. Greg Locke adds, we're not going away. We're not intimidated. We're not turning it down. The fact that we've grown by thousands of people is the Lord's doing and not something we're apologizing for. 
Like, dude, no These one was asking you to really apologize for me. your church. This isn't about your faith. This is about you annoying the shit out of everyone in your community. At no point. Because they, they have two meetings a week Ugh. in addition to any other services they're doing. And all these services have one, like, southern, like, whatever you want to call him, Fival, screaming at the top of his lungs, the music blaring, <laughs> uh-huh. and then whatever, Roger Stone giving a guest sermon right. and screaming. Screaming into the microphone. And then an hour later, Greg Locke pops back into the Facebook post oh. to say in all caps, Revival is not quiet. Hashtag red alarm bell. Uh, hashtag fire emoji. You can't hashtag an emoji. Sorry, That's, not hashtag. Oh, just the fire just emoji. Just the emoji. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. So. So he admits it's him. He admits they're but loud. But he says they're not he, loud. Would all white men burst into flames if they admitted that they might have been wrong and may have been like. In his case, Inadvertently yes. doing harm to people. Like, oh my God. I'm. You're right. I believe in my faith so strongly that we got carried away. You're right. <laughs> we should not be disturbing people in their homes. You're right. We will. We want to be down. good community we members, and by con- doing good, people will come to our church. Mm-hmm. No, no, we're going to annoy you till you become members. It's just. <laughs> I don't know. I, they the, the they haven't they haven't passed the noise ordinance yet. They only talked about it. But it may happen. Honestly, all it, this makes me think of is the fucking drag racers that drag down Route 59 at 2 in the morning with the mm. loudest cars. How is that still a thing um, it may It may be illegal, but they have to be caught first. And if they're doing it randomly, then... Hmm. Well, but again, everyone can, knows they meet the twice cops can a week. just hang out at my house and watch them. How about that? Invite, I can see them from my house. Invite them over. I'm sure it'll go very well. <sighs> I would never invite a cop in my house. Uh, Okay, here's... I I leave you with two somewhat happy stories, maybe. Uh, Here's one. New York's Attorney General, Letitia James, she's... A couple years ago, her office sued the Diocese of Buffalo, New York, Mm -hmm. along with two of their former bishops, basically for putting kids at risk for decades by covering up sexual abuse of many priests, not not reporting people to law enforcement. And this week... The two sides reached a, a kind of a settlement in the matter. The church will not have to pay any money. Uh, Meh, okay. Bad. But, but they agreed to a bunch of things, and this is kind of surprising. Okay. Um, here's the arrangement. No financial penalties, but the church agreed to a series of structural reforms within the diocese. Under the deal, pre- here's the bottom line. They're, the church, the diocese, Catholic Diocese of Buffalo, is allowing the government to provide oversight to everything they do. Really? Which is not something the Catholic Church ever, ever. agrees to. They are famously the, secretive. Yeah, they're basically saying, okay, There's we, a few books about it, in fact. We screwed this up. You get to look over everything we do at this point I'm, because you can't trust us to do the right thing. We're leaders in the Catholic Church. Here's the deal. Huh. Priests who have been credibly accused of abuse will be assigned an independent monitor from the FBI, a former FBI agent, Whoa. to ensure they comply with a list of restrictions. Such as? Um, I'll get to those in a second. But basically, the church, if anyone is accused of abuse... Uh. The Buffalo Diocese will agree to an annual audit of its compliance to be conducted by a former FBI agent who specializes in clergy sexual abuse. 
The church <laughs> has to pay that person's salary. The audits will be made public on the diocese's website. Interesting. And this is in place for at least five years. Wow. And so that's one thing. The Archdiocese of Buffalo specifically? Yeah, okay. uh, the Diocese of Buffalo, yes. Oh, Diocese of Buffalo, um, sorry. If future allegations of abuse arise... An outside investigator huh. gets to look into the matter and return findings within 45 days. Hmm. Um, a mandatory. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. The 45 days thing. A mandatory review board, not of priests, will offer recommendations for how to move forward, hmm. but those recommendations are also going to be made public. Accused clergy members who are suspended because they were credibly accused. They will be named publicly. You don't get to hide their yes. names. All complaints will go to law enforcement. Yes. And the Buffalo Diocese will have to cooperate in all oversight investigations. And this I thought was a big deal. If a priest refuses to cooperate with an investigation, the church can now withhold the priest's pension until he complies. Priests get pensions? Priests get pensions. Now, all of that's the bare minimum, but the agreement basically requires the Catholic Church to take abuse allegations seriously Seriously. instead of sweeping them under the rug as they did in the past. And that means getting help from people who actually have kids' best interests at heart, Mm -hmm. not the Catholic Church. Um, Now, here's the only... uh, I should say uh, one other thing. There's one part of this I didn't quite understand that I was like, "Mm, that seems weird. Mm. If a priest is credibly accused of abuse, the church says that person will be prohibited from viewing, downloading, or otherwise possessing pornography or sexually explicit materials of any kind Mm. and banned from going to a strip club or adult bookstore. That was one of the church-imposed rules, basically saying... A church-imposed rule? Yeah. The church basically said, if anyone is accused of doing wrongdoing, Uh because we own you, because you work for us, you cannot watch any adult content, uh, go anywhere where there's adult content. So this is only if there is an accusation? Yes, if they're credibly accused of abuse. Okay. But uh, what I don't get about that is I'm like, look, the church can issue its own rules. That's fine. But this I'm idea not that about porn. I'm not worried about porn. I'm not, I don't care if you go to a strip club yeah. or an adult bookstore. I want to know what you're going to do I'm, if I, you're a deviant, if you're a pedophile, whatever. I'm obviously imagining him in his full regalia at the strip club. <laughs> no, they, they always go in costume. Like, in costume? <laughs> watching not safe for work content yeah. does not make you more likely to abuse children. Like reading erotica is not the problem in the church. It truly it, like it is definitely a pennywise pound foolish thing <laughs> that the church does of like we're going to triple down on you not jerking it. And the rest right. of us are like guys, like you not- are not focused on the correct problem. <laughs> that's exactly it. So I'm like, all right, that's a weird concession yeah to make and i don't think it's necessary but okay whatever the church can impose its own weird rules i do appreciate that again the bottom line here is that a catholic diocese is like basically admitting you cannot trust us we are incapable of protecting kids we're gonna take help from the government of new york because they're more interested in this, safeguarding kids. It is truly than we the are. way we teach we like protect addicts of like you have an accountability buddy and yeah. things like that. I'm like, but you're a, a court church. appointed person's gonna oversee that what you're doing. Can you imagine if the nonprofit that I worked for had so many allegations of abuse that they had to bring an outside party with the FBI in <laughs> and they're like, okay, we wanna be clear, this is not going to be shut down. We're just going to put a, a ton of time and resources into making sure you guys are staying 
morally okay church like what are we doing here the fbi has to be a part of the catholic church because they're so fucked up like am i the only one who sees that that's problematic (laughs) if i had to have an fbi agent with me every time i was with a writing student i would be fired because i'm a danger this is this is this is the rules don't apply to them I should also point out there's one of the other agreements they made is the two former bishops in this church who basically swept all the problems under the rug. They They get a free vacation. They received a lifetime ban. This is interesting. A lifetime ban on holding any financial role in any New York-based charity. Like, if you want to leave the church... And use whatever skills you have to oh, work somewhere else. to like get into nonprofit space. Yeah. Which has to say, oh, well, I have skills. experience. Yeah. Uh, no, you don't get to do anything like that in a role where you have access to money. Which, and it's the money that they're concerned Yeah, because about? I think part of the issues they had had to do with, like, they basically drove this place into bankruptcy. Oh, um, I got, oh, I gotcha. Okay. Interestingly enough, the New York's uh, Attorney General's office, New York's Attorney, uh, yeah. Their office is looking into the other seven dioceses right now as well. Good. This is just the first one that took a deal with them and it, made this agreement. So it's seven dioceses in New Eight York? Eight altogether. Eight altogether. How many altogether. of them are in the city, I wonder? Um, Probably pro- most of them. I don't know. I'm going to guess it's Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany. I mean, I'm not checking you on And then the rest this. are in New York City. That's what I'm guessing. Yes, there you go. Long Island. Um, is and then, I have no idea. Nobody I'm not checking. Sure. Uh, And then this is a follow-up to a story, like, we talked about this at the time. The New York Times issued this massive article about how Hasidic schools in the city were depriving kids of a quality education. Mm -hmm. Well, separate from that... they were only learning about the Torah. They they were were, learning no other skills. No skills. And, like, learning the Torah is one thing if you're going to become a rabbi. But to tell a 14-year-old kid you're going to become a rabbi, only about 5% of the boys... Yeah. Become rabbis. The rest of them are like, I don't have any skills. Left with a terrible education. I can't get out of my bubble here. Mm -hmm. Like, you're screwed over. Well, separate from all of that, one of the biggest... Actually, the biggest school in the city for um, uh, Hasidic students, the Central United Talmudical Academy which serves over 5,000 students uh-huh. and has failed miserably academically. Hmm. Um, they are, in 2019, they gave standardized math and reading tests to over 1,000 students. Every single one of them failed. Every. That's this school. Wow. But um, there's them. a lot of reasons for that, which we talked which about before. Which means they don't even, nobody's even going home and having their parents, like, kind of teach them Pretty things. Much. That means this is community-wide. This school has now admitted that they were uh, part of a giant fraud scheme. No! Yes. According to the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of New York, they basically say in a prosecution agreement Uh where the school admitted, yeah, there's fraud, this school engaged in an extensive scheme to steal millions of dollars in public funds, diverting money intended to feed school children and facilitating tax and benefit fraud by its employees. And this is wild. Wow. Here's what actually happened, because now I'm reading the oh, like, document now. Between 2013 I can't and wait 20 for this documentary to come out. <laughs> between 2013 and 2015, 
uh, there was a program in place in New York where if you want, like, if you want to feed kids meals in schools, even if you're a private religious school, Mm -hmm. you just fill out this documentation. We reimburse you for the food you fed the kids. Okay. Because we want kids to be fed. Yeah. The school officials submitted... Most people believe that's important. (laughs) The school officials basically said over one million meals were served over the course of those two years... Mm -hmm. Virtually none of that was real. They submitted false and misleading documents saying kids were participating in after-school programs that kept them there till the evening, so the school was giving them supper. A second, yeah. Um, But the reimbursements were supposed to cover the cost of that food and the cost of supervision by staff. And because of their reimbursement claims, the school received over $3.2 million in reimbursements for the food. But it turns out... They didn't give kids that food, maybe some snacks, but it wasn't a meal. They, the attorneys said they were not accurately counting the breakfasts and lunches they did serve. Oh. In fact, we have proof that they counted the number of kids in school that day, not the number of meals that were given to the kids. So it was oh. inflated. They said we need imbursements on like these days. Guess what? School wasn't in session those days. Wow. So basically, they've been lying, and there's a lot of proof of this. So what was in it for them? Like, is it just you're trying to get money for the school by cheating the system? It turns out some of the money was given to staffers under the table. Like, yeah, we have a salary here, and I know you say it doesn't pay you much, but here's some cash under the table Mm. for you that we got magically. They gave out food vouchers worth $100 at a time, which the attorney said at one point gave employees about 17% of their compensation. Holy shit. Saying, here's some food vouchers for you to use however you want. They wrote paychecks in the names of staffers, friends, and relatives who were not employed at the school to avoid taxes on the salary they were actually paying out. They sometimes covered their employees' credit card bills and other personal expenses. They abused parsonage designations by claiming staffers were performing religious duties, even when they weren't, Mm. so they could say, oh, see, they're hired as a ministry person, so you can't tax them on that, this, that. They purchased life insurance policies for religious teachers and then gave it to them after they left the school, which is another way of compensating the teachers even though you're not actually paying them any of this. Oh my God. So basically when those employees filed for other programs like Medicare or public housing or childcare vouchers, you have to tell the state how much money you make. Mm -hmm. And they were able to say, well, my paycheck is only like Mm $20,000 because I got the rest in other forms. Which is also part of the scheme. Fringe benefits. Yeah. That's what we call those. So what's going on? So basically all this added up to $3.2 million. And they caught them in the act of doing this. And here's what the attorney's office announced this week. The school's going to pay back the $3.2 million. Of course. It's going to pay an additional $5 million in penalties. Wow. So it's an $8 million punishment overall. Good. One school official was sentenced to two years in prison. This happened a while back. Another one was given five years of probation. The school has agreed to several structural changes, including replacing its entire management team, creating new financial and procedural controls, and, kind of like the Catholic Church, opening itself up for periodic audits by the state. But is it going to remain a Hasidic school? It will remain a Hasidic school. But like, and and none of that has to do with the fact that they apparently don't even educate their kids. Yeah, so these are two two totally separate problems. Pieces of discrete neglect that they are enforcing on these children is they're denying them an education and they're denying them food and not just denying them food using their denial of food to cheat the system which again 
bad look. If the purpose This of, is Trump level bullshit. <laughs> if the thinking is religious schools are more ethical and we hold ourselves to higher standards than public schools, guess what? Here's another example of a very conservative, very fundamentalist type of religious school clearly being proven as cheating the system. They've admitted they did this, <sighs> yeah. which is why they were able to go public with this agreement. And so many people had to be complicit in mm. it. Not one person was like, hey, maybe we should give kids their lunches? Well, they were educated at Hasidic schools. So. I can't... Uh, I, I don't know. But they were using education as how cover. How many kids are just... What are they going to do? What? That's a great question. What are these kids going to do when they graduate? Not just because of the fraud scheme, but like they're not being educated. And the state is so afraid to say, you know what? I don't care if you're religious, you're hurting kids and we get to step in now because they're so afraid of upsetting and angering this very powerful voting block, especially in New York City. Sure. So, I mean, that's, I'm glad they got something out of this school to catch them in the act, to make them pay up, to basically ruin their reputation, though I'm sure in that bubble... Um, of Hasidic Jews, it's like uh, they're still going to find a way to spin this as religious persecution somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, two little bits of good news, I guess, kind of, sort of. Interesting. Yeah, Very I'll stop interesting. there. Boom. Cool. Where do we find you? You can always find me on Twitter at Jess Blumke. Um, I have stickers coming in the mail soon, so I'm going to be sending another round of those out, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, you can find me at Hammond Meta on Twitter. I hope to see you in Houston this weekend if you're in the area. And uh, go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to mm-hmm. support the show. You can always leave us a review on iTunes. Do you um, know what we are talking about in the bonus? No, I don't. All um, right, we're going to work on that. It's going to be very fun, I bet. <laughs> you can always leave us a review on iTunes. The latest one is um, from Quirldemort. Oh, that's funny. It's a Harry Potter thing. Uh, uh, reviewers, your sexism is showing. Five stars. Y'all are so mean to Jessica. Leave her alone. I swear, I just read these in order. Like, just whatever <laughs> one pops up first is just the one I read. Usually, I would say it's like a coin flip if they're nice or mean. But this is a nice one. That is nice. All right. We'll see you next week, all. Bye.